0: all right so shout out to the folks at chicago sticky and fire skunk uh for the product that i'm about to enjoy um you can check out our review on our youtube channel which i think the easiest way to get to our youtube channel which i'll be honest we don't post a lot of content on we're, we're starting we're trying folks um just go to chillanoi.net slash youtube That'll get you right there. It'll take you to our website. You'll click on a link, which will bounce you to our YouTube channel. You can take a glimpse at the product. It's one of their top-shelf offerings. And I've smoked it a few times. I like it a lot. Um, so cheers, folks. Speaking of reviews, um, in an effort to make a more informed public, we're, la- we're relaunching, actually, our review database for Illinois Cannabis. The idea behind making this data free, public, searchable, and manipulatable is to allow for a more informed purchaser so folks let's help each other out please be sure to submit your reviews at chillinois.net slash reviews that's ch illinois.net slash reviews let's try to learn from each other's shared experiences i mean um in this market uh, the unique thing about the illinois cannabis market is that you can't view your cannabis or smell it before purchasing and so as best we can, let's try to learn from each other's shared experiences. In the spirit of learning from sh- uh, shared experiences, I'm very excited to bring on my next guest, who goes by Buds. Buds, please introduce yourself to the audience of the Illinois podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Buds, sometimes known as Vintage Buds on the Chilanoi, uh, Reddit subreddit. Um, I'm an old guy. <laughs> I've been around a while. I don't know everything in fact uh, i'll readily admit my ignorance about some subjects but i probably have some useful things to say on others and uh, i'm basically retired at this point i do a little uh, farting around with various projects i like to build stuff for for instance so i try to find things i can build just a sort of a general reference <laughs> without getting too specific about me yeah. i'm a retired academic who has a lot of uh background in radiation, uh, because I've been heard that's uh, one of the topics of today's show, radiation. It's an (laughs) interesting topic, and we're not going to really go into the part that I'm probably most expert in, but I know enough to comment (laughs) probably on people's questions anyway.
0: Well, cool. Thank you so much for growing. I didn't realize that, you know, because I thought I was bringing an OG as an original grower because of your photos, but you just said OG as an old guy. Yeah, that's, that's what you consider the OG. I was—I'm just joking. Um, yeah.
1: Well, it's probably maybe a little both in this case, but but it was old guy <laughs> before original growers probably was around. So yeah.
0: No, I honestly was trying to—that was my weird way of trying to give you a compliment that you are an OG, an original grower. Folks, check out—you uh, mentioned our our subreddit. Check out our subreddit. It's IL Trees. If you want a, a, an easy way to access it is to go to chillinois.net slash Reddit. We'll have the descript, we'll have that link in the description, but it's chillinois.net slash reddit. Free to join. We've got about fourteen thousand subscribers, mostly Chillinoians, some people out of state, you know, that are coming in. It's a pretty good and vibrant community. Um, and you've made a lot of really popular posts on there. Um some real historical posts i mean i feel like we, we need to like print it out and put it in the Illinois museum
1: well uh, let's put it this way um before i was an academic i was just a guy who grew dope but i always appreciate the, the history of things uh, it's always been a, <laughs> uh, an interesting subject for me so i tend to try to preserve something but then again you know you kind of got to be a little cautious about things in the old sure. days because uh, other people call that stuff evidence. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you do have to be kind of cautious. And uh, I'm not working from a, a notebook, pretty much. I'm, I'm working on uh, memory and recall. And, and to a certain extent, uh, anybody who studied memory and how it works and stuff, you realize really soon that it's not all about the past. It's also about the present and how you're reconstructing your recall of the past. So uh, basically, I've been working my way through some old pictures that uh, i picking out, I, I think, a pretty representative uh, group. I got a lot of pictures of plants, which mm-hmm. <laughs> is interesting in itself. But, but I, I've tried to keep you know, the emphasis on you know, a little action and something going on, something I can talk about. Sure. So uh, that, that's been my interest in presenting those pictures. In addition to pointing out that uh, um, people have a long history of producing cannabis in this state and uh, the present system (laughs) doesn't do much to honor that the only thing it seems to honor is big bucks and uh, as a med patient i'm a little bit offended by that considering how many politicians made this out to be well you know we got to do this for med patients and they won't be left behind with when wreck happens and i'm not going to diss anybody at all in wreck because I spent my time supplying customers <laughs> and they're okay, you know, yeah. uh, but I'll tell you by the end of, uh, when I was growing, I pretty much ended up working med because and that was years before the state was. Okay. Like sure. I think I sold my first med reefer in 1978. If I recall, right. Somebody's mom had cancer or something. Really? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it goes back that far, and it just kind of, you know, as as people started thinking of it, more importantly, as a pharmaceutical of some sort uh, that's beneficial and been found to be beneficial in many cases, um, it just became more and more my customers. And med customers, I think, just in general, I mean, I don't want to diss rec customers, but, but rec customers are often looking only for a party. Yeah. And uh, med customers, they, they want a relationship okay and and that's
0: just life sometimes you know sure yeah <laughs> and so i i just uh your your i don't know profile description on reddit um the the last part of it i feel like is it should have been the motto for the chillinoy podcast cannabis isn't really <laughs> free until you can grow all you want and need do you just put it I so simply a-
1: yeah, I'm a bit of a rabble rouser, so when, I, when I'm really intending to do that, I can keep it short and sweet, although I tend to go kind of long sometimes if I don't watch myself. But I think that's really important for people to think about here. I mean, we've had a system that's been set up, uh, I'm not going to say hastily, but I will say without a lot of thought and input from the population. I mean, politicians knew people wanted something done about this, but they seem to have been listening mostly to people who want to make money off of us. And the state certainly has an interest in raising taxes. And I don't begrudge the idea that it should be taxed at all. I mean, it's just one of those facts of life in our society. Some things are taxed and alcohol is taxed. Cigarettes are taxed. I think, the taxes are a little bit on the high side quite frankly and the main reason why is if one of the goals of this system is to eventually overcome the black market you're not going to get there the way we're going right now so uh you know politicians have made a lot of promises and a lot of those things are very good things but they are letting a lot of things fall through the cracks here and we really need to start asking people who are candidates there's always another election remember that asking people who are Mm -hmm. candidates what their positions are on things that are important to the cannabis community. And you aren't really free (laughs) with cannabis until basically you have the right to raise what you need. I mean, there's really no reason in this country why we can't grow our own. It's an American tradition. First of all, it's anti-American to keep people from providing for their own needs of their household. Now I understand a little bit the stuff about, you know, crime and all that. And they want to kind of watch that sort of thing. But we've got a little ridiculous and handing the keys to the family car to some people who don't necessarily have any of our best interest in mind, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> so yeah, everybody no, I, should be free.
0: Amen. Uh, it's interesting how the cannabis companies and, and some of those people, like you say, that stand to profit turn the tables a lot. Oftentimes when we wager from what you might call more liberal cultivation or possession laws, Um, they try to turn the table and say well this this is going to end up with unregulated product in the market or this is and it's like (laughs) well hold on a second I'm talking about cultivation for personal use if I was talking about cultivation for you you know for adult use uh, customers or medical patients yes of course I need a license just like I would need a license if I was going to brew craft beer on a commercial level right you know what I mean it's like for personal use. I think the best the best thing I I just try to put it simple. Like you, like uh, like like you. I can be long winded, but sometimes I can try to put it simple. And the way I put it is like it should be as free and open as a tomato plant. Like you should be able to go to a farmer's yes. market, get some seeds. You should, you know.
1: It's a very good example, tomato plants, because that's basically what you're doing. I mean, other than what the seed is you know
0: well and if we want to go down that analogy too you know Leaf actually responded to me on reddit um and one of the things that they said like i say is that the reason they they said the reason they support okay well, well let me back up and clearly state their position they said they do not support quote banning home grow legislation they support legislation that quote restricts and, like, regulates uh, home grow legislation. In other words, they still support criminal penalties for certain types of home cultivation. That's basically what they aren't... Yeah. They're saying it, but they aren't saying it. Um, and uh, they say that they support that because they don't want unregulated product getting into the market. And like like I say, let's take it back to the tomatoes. Farmers' markets... Again, let's take it back to farmers markets. Are those products mm-hmm. regulated that happen every weekend all over across the United States? You know? Like my mom can grow tomatoes and bring it and sell it to your family. And all yep. she has to do is buy a twenty five dollar pass to be at that farmer's market.
1: Yeah. And and there's nothing really too threatening in a little bit of herb, although I don't expect it to see it in farmers markets soon, but I I would like sure. to. And, yeah. But I think one of the things here is that they somehow think that if they let people grow, that this is going to take all their customers away. And I can tell you, I, I've been helping people learn to grow for 30 plus years, okay? Pretty quickly, I discovered that people are not really, I mean, unless they're the natural gardeners and there are a few of those, people aren't really that interested. They're more interested in convenience. And it's just like yeah. craft beer, for instance. Mm-hmm. Most people do not brew their own beer. Right. They go to the store and purchase it. I think what the big companies are worried about is exactly what might happen, which is that this tends to lower the floor on what the anticipated cost might be to the consumer, because consumers are sort of saying, well, you know, if it's convenient and affordable, I'll go get it. And they will. They're Americans. Okay. (laughs) I mean, this has been proven over and over again you have a high floor there and that floor keeps raising like we see currently, for instance, in pricing around the state, in many cases, then what happens is that really supports their pricing. Okay. That supports mm-hmm. their profits. That's what they're really worth. It's not that like they won't be unprofitable, but that's just sort of ridiculous sort of profits. I think personally. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and I think what it is, is they're afraid that this will put in a lower floor than, they would perhaps prefer will it hurt them i don't think so I, I, if you can't raise and sell marijuana and make money in this country it, it's not the problem with the law and the way the system right. it up. it's your problem you know with your company and what you're selling and how you're selling it yeah. and you know that's what they should face okay they should compete with the idea that i can go out and grow my own damn it if pardon my french if you know if it's just too expensive at that dispensary and they don't want people to have that option. And you can look at this five plant limit. Okay. That sounds like a lot. There's some people on trees that grow some crazy stuff. Okay. They've mm-hmm. got the right genetics and you can do that, but Hey, a lot of people just know you put it in the ground, you grow it. You need more than five plants to, to grow, it, especially if you're a med patient. I mean, yeah. we're not in some, county fair competition where they're only going to name one two and three that get the the blue ribbons you know and all that stuff and the rest of us can just go pound sand we need it for our medicine right and to make it so restrictive that you have to engage in all these jumping through hoops and fancy see i mean i'm not got anything against high tech and learning more And i think that's one place where the home grower can actually make a difference i think in the yeah. future for for people but but I think it's something that we really need to pressure our uh, our legislatures on because uh some people asked for something when they got it and nobody paid any attention to the rest of us, I think yeah. is really what happened here.
0: Absolutely. Uh and you know, just to to keep going on that line, you know, um if you grow six plants and even if you're a medical card holder, that's felony. That's a felony. It doesn't matter if you're a medical card holder or not, and, and it's remained to be seen if, if that's how they would enforce it, but that's how the law is written.
1: Yeah, and, so. and that's just, it's just an inappropriate take on things. We've come far enough. Maybe there were some unknowns. They were worried about this. I mean I can certainly see limits that say, hey, if you got more than 100 plants, you're commercial and you should have a license, right. but that license should be there so that you can get it instead of that. Oh, well you can get out and stand in line with 10,000 other people who are applying for 50 licenses or whatever it is. Exactly. That ain't right and that's part of the problem here too is they've tried to put this vast restriction on it like somehow having too much dope could happen, you know? And and I'll tell you, you know, the black market's still there, folks. You keep forgetting about that. You know, if you leave a hole on the legal side, there's people more than happy and still are stepping up to that. If you ever want to do anything about that, you have to compete with them. And that means the pricing has to get a lot more flexible than it is right now, quite frankly.
0: Now, I'm going to step outside of my. Place for a second, because by no means am I an, ec- an economist, but I have always just wondered, like, why can beer a 24 pack of beer be like 15 ish bucks, you know, on the, the cheap stuff, right? Um, yeah. A 24 a case of beer can be you know about twenty dollars out the door, yet an eighth of cannabis is about seventy to eighty dollars out the door, and like, I just, I uh i don't understand why like you say i I don't people's argument sometimes against more licenses is like well look at washington and how low the prices went and i don't know that that was i i get that there were problems but i'm saying that i don't know that that was a problem that is like let it work itself out you know what i mean i don't It's only a problem
1: for people who are wanting to make a bunch of money off the rest of us.
0: (laughs) There you go. See, and so in uh, Illinois, I really think, and this is an idea from our friend Tom Howard at uh, Cannabis Legalization News. I don't want to take credit for this idea, and I also am probably going to butcher it a little bit, but let's just try it. He -hmm. describes, like, uh, different classes of licenses. So, like you said, if you have 100 to, like, I don't know, 200 – You've got a class A license. If you've got 200 plants to 300, you got a class B, so on and so forth, up to a class C, which would be your, like, Cresco's, uh, GTI's, you know, yeah. the 250,000 square foot grows, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the that's the way to go. And, you know, if people want um, there to be a class for social equity licenses, and I would even argue there should maybe, you know, be, because there was that whole conspiracy, or not conspiracy uh, controversy about the fact that the social equity license had um, veteran bonus points and it's like well okay then maybe there should be a veteran lottery but either way there needs to be like kind of a loose in my opinion maybe like a loosening up of all of this and I feel like if you want to shop at a social uh, you know a, a business that's owned by a social equity candidate you make that choice just like you do with other businesses right
1: I think so. Uh, I, I think one thing we have to keep in mind here is this: go, this is government determining winners and losers the way yeah. the system's set up now. Yeah. And really, the way we like to think of it, I think people on the left and the right, both in the U.S. and I'm kind of tend to be on the left a bit, just a bit. But but we kind of like to think there's the market in there and regulating things. But what they've done is taken the market factors out of this and decided who the winners will be. I mean, people might have argued that you really got to make the case for social equity before these licenses were issued. But then, what's the outcome? And the outcome is a bunch of old white guys. Okay, yeah. uh, it's a few white women, and, and a very tiny slice of people who are people of color, or something like that. And and really, you know, at a certain point, we have to start telling ourselves what you know, when are we gonna start doing something about making things <laughs> different? If yeah. we really are, you know, committed to to things like that. And I think people are paying enough attention to that now. It's an important thing. I think it's also a thing though, that's kind of gotten locked into this whole sort of, oh, we got to limit things and really, you know, maybe there needs to be a, a, a group like that that is specifically determined for social equity but I think it's really uh, the position would be would be to at least position them to succeed sure. uh, in in a market, you know, uh, rather than you know say, hey, you know, we just owe people something like that. Because I don't think that's really what's being asked. I think what people are asking for is fairer outcomes.
0: Yeah, that makes that totally makes sense. And I think that that if we can accomplish that, like you say, it'd be that'd be the way to go, you know. So, um, well, let's talk about. Uh, You know, we're talking about all the companies and, uh, you know, why don't we talk about their SOPs? (laughs) Why don't we talk about some (laughs) of the things that they do? Um, Specifically, uh, a topic that's come up on my, on this show a few times is uh, uh, cannabis remediation. It's the topics actually started popping up on IL Trees, which was interesting. Um, just a quick background for folks, uh, and feel free to jump in here because you you, pro- you most likely know more than me about it with your history and uh, mm-hmm. cultivation.
1: I do it by hand, the old-fashioned way. It's well, like, I was going much... <laughs> to. I was
0: going to say, so you start out like, with uh, pretty, you know, uh, conventional methods that are by hand, or uh, yeah. like so. For example, if you grow an outdoor crop, uh, what some people will do is wash the crop. Uh, down with water and some people might think oh that's that's we like it doesn't sound scary because there's not chemicals involved but still it's weird why are you spraying the bud well folks i mean it's not like bud doesn't get wet it rains outside so (laughs) it's really not that weird that that they're spraying the bud down what they're doing is they're trying to get any pests that might be in there any i don't know anything from outside let's say blades of grass whatever might be kicked up into the sticky nugs you find um, little
1: critters crawling around in there when you bring something live in from outside. That's just Definitely. It is. So those
0: are those are some conventional, you know, I would argue I don't know if this is the accurate way, but organic ways of uh remediation, you know, it's not anything yeah. I I would say that it's scary involved, but we've talked to a few folks and we've uh you know, um one of the things we've heard about in the in the Illinois cannabis industry and, in particular is that product um is often remediated before qa testing and it's it's not only something that's exclusive to illinois um it happens in canada as well um cannabis is actually one of the listed uh products uh that are approved for irradiation in canada oh i so, sorry i jumped i yeah i jumped the gun um the Method that I'm talking about is irradiation. So, um, can you get can you give us like a general description of what this process looks like, what's going on, what it means?
1: Yeah. Well, there's there's different methods of remediation because I've also heard of what is it? They microwave this stuff and they use ultraviolet right. light. I think that's the other big thing. Right. That 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 are not have anything to do with radiation in the sense of something being radioactive so in that sense to me those kind of pass the sniff test okay you might not ideally want to have to utilize them and i'm not sure what effects they're going to have on your reefer i mean you put ultraviolet light on things and over time things fade and whatever but i don't think you know if you're just killing mold or something i really can't speak to that i mean i I wouldn't be too concerned about that because you're leaving nothing behind Sure. And in a sense, you leave nothing behind when you talk about irradiation either. Uh, irradiation was a process that was invented back in the 50s when everything was going to be atomic. Power was going to be too cheap to meter. These nuclear weapons were going to solve all our problems with the Russians. Uh, everything was going nuclear. And uh, one of the ideas that came up and they found worked pretty good, at least as far as sanitary things, was to irradiate food by exposing it to uh, a radioactive source. Uh, Usually what's used is something called cobalt-60. And that's pretty nasty stuff. Let's put it this way. Um, And really, even though it is nasty stuff, it doesn't really leave anything radioactive behind in your dope. So you don't have to worry about it being radioactive what you really should worry about is, is that really a process you want to support? Because, right. you know, I, 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 I won't go into all the details of my academic background. Let's put it this way. Um, nuclear weapons never solved our problems with the Russians and never will because we can poison the world long before we win a war. Let's put it this way. That's probably the easiest statement I'll, I'll put out about that. But Really, what happens is you're, you're supporting a system that's kind of nasty. And you mentioned the Canadians. <clears throat> As Those it turns dang out,
0: Canadians. We can not speak <laughs> French on this uh, podcast, by the way. Oh, oh well, I'm joking. I love yeah. our Canadian <laughs> brethren. we got a we got a friend actually from Canada that's been on the yeah, show before. Yeah. Well, it. anyways, though, I,
1: I've I've had a few friends from Canada over the years. I've visited Canada. And I really like. The canadians in general but their government the does those weird things every once in a while like ours yeah. does and, and they're kind of fascinated with radiation and they're a little bit more liberal about things than even in the u.s in certain respects which is probably why they have made a point of actually authorizing this of course they've also legalized federally which which makes a difference yeah. but they went to the trouble of authorizing radiation to use in remediating cannabis specifically see that's the thing and and people argue well cannabis isn't food you know technically here you know the law doesn't apply to it like that and it's like it's something that you ingest okay folks okay so in a sense i think you want the same food standards to apply there but like i said the problem isn't the radiation it's more of you know do you really I mean cobalt sixty is is really useful for a few things, but what this is doing is is solving a problem that could be solved by other means, using a really nasty method that probably most of us wouldn't want to live next to. Let's put it this way: yeah. um, obviously, this stuff has to be transported around and replenished because, being radioactive, they lose their power over time as you know, as they uh, break down through their half-lives. Okay, so, you know, this is something that I think people just don't know about and and probably would be uncomfortable with if they knew more. In fact, I was asked when I was replying on there, well, you think this stuff should be labeled? And it's like, why not?
0: Well, yeah, that's actually what I was going to (laughs) bring up, is that actually in the United States... Am I correct in thinking that a radiated product does have a requirement to be labeled? Like if I go yeah. in and grab my can of cashews right now, for example, I think it's going to have something on there.
1: Yes, it does if it's been radiated. It's, it's got to have this thing called a radura, I think is how it's pronounced. It's a little symbol that says, hey, I've been treated with radiation. To give you the choice of saying, mm, I might buy another product here. you know. And, and like I say, it's not that the product itself is radioactive. Yes. It's not that at all. Okay. This is more like, do you really support killing baby seals to have fancy shoes? Or do you think we ought to drill up there where the polar bears are? Cause they don't need that ice anymore. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> right. like that. I mean, a lot of people are concerned about that and the industry is concerned. People are going to find out about it, which should be the first clue to them that they need to change things.
0: Right. Right. That's, a, that's kind of why I've been trying to have this conversation. It's, uh, not to freak anybody out. It's it's just, there's, it's obvious that there, I can't speak. There is a reason nobody else is talking really about this, in my opinion. You know it's what I mean?
1: probably cheaper. <laughs> yeah. The Canadians got cheap Cobalt 60. I, I don't know for sure. But I, I think, you know, we pay enough for dope, but we could pay enough if it cost a little bit more to remediate if we really need that. And then think about it, too. Uh, maybe we need less machine type remediation, more organic. But that's just my personal argument, okay? Because yeah. that would employ more people in the industry, quite frankly. I mean, what they're also trying to get by is to try to minimize their labor needs. Hey, if this industry is supposed to create jobs, you know, we might want to rethink some of these things. And, and that's something I don't think we can force on them. But I think the public would be interested to know about some of these practices and certainly about the radiation i think they are probably uh, a little bit nervous about that and you know i mean it's not like i said not because things are radioactive but because it's just a system that we really don't need to support anymore it's just not wise
0: and here's my i guess if you want to say problem with with the whole thing is that it is a part of in my opinion their standard operating procedure like it's it's just what they do before they send it to QA testing like okay run it through like and the you know so this is like hard for me to unpack but the reason that they do that is because of the square footage they're dealing with right and people will say well you're dealing with an organic product it's it's tough it's a tough job you know you don't you've got mold mycotoxins pests yada 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 that you get to worry about and and I get it. I mean, I grow I grow five plants, and it can be tough to keep up with, right? But mm-hmm. my thing is, let, let's put the law aside. I I wouldn't make the choice to go to 10 plants if I know I can barely handle five plants. Yeah. How about that? And, and like, my thing is, I think, like you said, uh, I feel like you were kind of loosely referred to it. There's an industrialization going on of this mm-hmm. product. And I think that might be part of the problem. Like, I think, like, so we've seen um, a lot of the hand-trimmed products go to machine-trimmed. Yeah. Um, and it's not because the company... Well, okay, so I, I the consumer, I value hand-trimmed colas, but obviously the company is just trying to pump out product, right? So, like I say, mm-hmm. just this industrialization. And I, I don't know, I just don't accept standard that like well we're just growing so much weed that like we we can't uh keep up with all those problems so what we have to do is just send it through the irradiation machine to pass qa testing like that doesn't sit well with me
1: well it, it shouldn't be a crutch i mean that's the whole thing about oh well we're just going to run through me remediation every time because that sort of gets into well what are you running here something that's kind of a bad situation which is not to say okay sometimes i mean people really freak out about mold and and i'll tell you i mean i personally don't have any trouble with mold but i've been around people who have and i've been around situations where mold was definitely a problem so i can see that concern the one thing people need to keep in mind about mold is it's everywhere around us all the time right what you want to do is change the environment so where it can't grow and, and, and they're managing environments, okay? That's the whole thing about growing plants. And if you aren't carefully and critically managing your environment, then yeah, maybe you end up having to depend on that remediation machine. But I think, you know, I think ideally we wanna try to avoid that or at least give consumers the choice. Right. And the present system is like, uh, everything is going towards industrialization. They just, you know, it's, lowest cost production, highest cost for sale. We just want to do that. And and the consumer doesn't really have a choice. All these craft applicants are held up. That would be one case where, you know, these people could come in and offer something different because they are sort of different, I suppose. Although I've been kind of skeptical about people saying, oh, you got to have 5,000 square feet before you're a craft cultivator. And it's like, really? Okay. Well, that sounds pretty big time to me. But you know whatever you know yeah. I, I i hope you know generally they open up this licensing process or concept and just sort of get away from we're going to limit things because somehow there's going to be too many people doing this and it's like people will either succeed or fall in the market that's all there is to it i mean because i mean unless somebody's got something they planned on changing here in the rest of the state of illinois that they haven't told us about i don't know you know i don't think so which is why i think our government has become a little too captive to the industry here.
0: Right. Yeah. And I just, just to, I guess, cap the only, the, the final thought I have folks is just, you know, do, I always try to encourage you to do your own research. You can find multiple companies that are, uh, you know, selling this technology or, uh, helping with uh, these processes and they guarantee, um, you know that you pass mandated testing levels and that's part of like what, that's part of what they help you do um so just just look into them you know what i mean um because it's it's a real like it's the thing i've been battling i don't know if, you, if you've heard, had this at all but i've just been straight up told that this isn't actually happening and i'm just like i don't there are come i mean I, i'll pull up one right now not to throw one up the throwing under the bus but i will google cannabis (laughs) remediation right now and the first result is Uh, radsource.com the 420 cannabis remediation system passed state mandated testing levels with 99 percent confidence um scrolling down oh here's the machine wow it's pretty big this lady's standing next to it and it's bigger than her Goddamn. It be
1: shielding if she's standing next to it. Let's put it this
0: way. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing a really. She's, yeah, she's not wearing much. I, like she's wearing a lab coat, folks. Don't get excited. I see. Uh, but she's not wearing uh, any protection like you see in the fucking dentist's office. They make you put yeah. on a goddamn bulletproof vest, suit. and the people fucking leave the room. It's like, what are you doing yeah. to me if you got to leave the room?
1: <laughs> so. Well, see, that's the thing about radiation is—is is it is additive. You know, and, and, and they don't want to keep getting added up with your working there. But for the patient themselves, oh, we could have a long discussion about this. But but yeah, but fortunately, your dope isn't radioactive. It's just exposed to radioactivity by people who, I guess, buy these machines because they're guaranteeing an easy result rather than, you know, you got to work at managing your environment. It costs you all the time so i can see some bean counter saying i'd rather buy the machine for a one time cost you know and then whatever maintenance is than yeah. having to continually invest in managing our environment better but really yeah, i don't know <laughs> yeah. personally i would want to work at and buy from somebody who thought a little differently about the situation
0: yeah so in a second i want to segue to like maybe some of your uh, the experiences you can talk about with with home growing and stuff um, just because okay. I think it'd be cool to have a lesson in history with buds, um, but uh, I just want to make a quick joke. You know, if you tried my homegrown, you you would think that it was radioactive after you smoked it. I'll tell you, it's some good shit, my friend. It's some good <laughs> shit. So, I'm just like <laughs> ra-
1: radioactive, like is good. Radioactive's not. So I'm okay with that
0: joke. <laughs> yeah, radioactive like. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so yeah, um, I just. I just have to say, one of the photos that you posted on the Reddit, folks, check it out. Once again, slash reddit and you can get to uh, our Reddit and just look up, uh, you know, vintage buds, um, or you'll you'll see his posts. We've generally got them stickied and stuff, so you'll see him around. You'll see him posting. But this one picture that you posted, I actually ended up uh, sharing it on our Instagram because it was so cool. That it was. The first like grow light you had ever gotten, I guess. Uh-huh. It, look, it looked like a fucking spaceship mounted in oh. your ceiling.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I tried to get good angles like that, and 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 show the light lighting also when I when I took pictures because I kind of wanted to document what I was doing. At least I had a an anonymous looking picture, and then I could refer back to that, and like nobody could prove well where was that at, you
0: know? yeah. <laughs> <So>.
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> That yeah, was basically the, uh, the idea there was that, uh, that helped illustrate what I was doing really.
0: So tell me about this light. Like what company, can you remind me like what company or like, how was it sold as a grow light or what?
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, and this, you're talking about the vertical one, right? The vertical thousand watt halide.
0: Yeah. I think you had to like, mount up in the it ceiling. In the attic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy yeah. to look at my grow light nowadays, and it's almost as thin as a couple of – four pieces of paper, I guess. Well, probably yeah. 20 pieces of paper. You know, Th-
1: but. Things have changed, and I'm headed in the LED direction because that's going to be important this summer <laughs> for my True. grow room. True. But in the wintertime, you don't have to run any heat in there. Let's put <laughs> it that yeah. way. Okay. Yeah. So, but, but that came from Seattle, and I bought it from a mail-order ad – and it was one of the very first ads about those big lights. I'd heard about them somewhere or somebody had talked about them in, in something or other. Maybe I was reading Ed Rosenthal and he had referred to them or something, but this was the first ad I think I saw for him in high time. So I'm guessing this is like 78, I think, because this all started when Carter decided, Hey, we're going to spray pot with Paraquat because we think that's good public policy is poisoning our youth. Uh, so, but, but, That inspired a lot of people to start growing, including me. I'd already tried growing a little bit before doors without much success, to say the least. But uh, I ordered this light from Seattle. And the guy said, and I talked to him on the phone, he said, yeah, we sell a lot of them to Alaska. And the thing was, is Alaska, I think in 75, they had some sort of court decision that legalized personal grow in possession if I recall right and it was much disputed over the years back and forth but there was some a lot up there but then again I've since found that a lot of people just do hydro under lights up there anyway because that's the only way to get fresh vegetables at a reasonable cost and you can actually if you got hydroelectric up there for some reason you know it's cheaper than flying the stuff in let's put it that way so you could maybe even make money I don't know (laughs) off regular plants anyway but he was definitely new you know people, well, I mean, they're advertising on high times, so they obviously mm. were trying to expand their market. I'm trying to recall what the name of it was. I'll, I'll maybe bring that in or update something on the website or something, but it's out of Cleveland and it had a, oh, there was a name on it that clearly indicated that uh, somebody was going to grow some dope with it. Uh, but, but this was a thousand watt vertical halide. The, the lamp itself is about 30 inches tall. Because it's got this, it's like a lot, a reflector, a lot like you see outdoors at the football fields yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's what it looked like. Fuck. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, how uh, how heavy was it? Basically, it's aluminum and it's very, very light. It's like spun or something because uh-huh. you can kind of see the pattern in it. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah, that's, that's my very first grow light after a big bank of, uh, 40 watt tubes, which weren't very, <laughs> weren't very productive. Let's put it this way. I, I really feel for, but back then a lot of people grew under tubes, but yeah, you didn't get very much. Let's put it that way. The thousand yeah. watt halide was just a real breakthrough for, uh, home cultivators. But the problem was, is it's tall which is why we had uh, the little uh, opening in the ceiling <laughs> i created another access to the, to to the attic basically is what i did yeah. and and located it in a good spot central in the room and, and the other thing is is that it gets hot and mm-hmm. you, you got to deal with that somehow by ventilation or even air conditioning you know in the summer around mm-hmm. here cuz it, it gets awful hot so i'm i am i mean i'm not a neanderthal i kind of believe in in things i just just don't think you have to jump through every friggin' hoop in order to grow enough dope to keep your medicine supplied. You know, I, I think I think that's sort of unnecessary here.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it grow. It'll fucking grow in a ditch. Is the way that uh yeah. my mentor is probably about. Uh, I don't mean. Yeah, he's probably about your age. Yeah. Uh. uh, uh yeah. So.
1: Well, have he may have it. seen some in ditches because uh, they kind of they kind of. It was kind of growing there through the 70s it, and it got the I know, 80s. yes. There's Reagan some threw a lot around, of money at that.
0: There's some places <laughs> around here where it still grows. And, yeah, you're right yeah. That, that Reagan uh, devoted some uh, federal dollars. I've seen videos of people burning uh, fields of wild yeah. hemp down. It's like, oh, so <laughs> badass. Hey, okay, for people that are wanting to do research on Carter spraying whatever you said he was, spraying... Paraquat. A it's cool.
1: P-A-R-A... Quat, and gotcha. I think that's a commercial name for this stuff. And it's some like 24D. It's nasty stuff. Let's put it this way: you mm. don't want to smoke anything sprayed with that.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I don't want to go. Yeah. I don't want to go to my local store and grow store and get paraquat for my plants. Yeah. Well,
1: <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to buy that sort of stuff <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, a, sure. regular consumer. Just governments <laughs> that want to poison their people are allowed to have it. And, and, and big companies, you know, because right. we can trust them.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that's how it works, right? So because that's, you <laughs> yes. know, back to uh, the idea of uh, cannabis isn't free until you can grow all you want and need. Yeah. I, I have an argue, have, just to add on to that, it's not free until you can grow all you want and need and have all you want and need and process, yeah. infuse, do whatever you want. Give it, you know, to to a yeah. family member. Obviously, if you're selling it, again, we both agree that's a license, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, situation or whatever, you know, because yeah. that's that's how we generally do things. But but
1: but I but I will put one caveat in there. I think you should be allowed to trade.
0: Yeah, no, I cannabis agree. Cannabis yeah.
1: for cannabis, for sure. Be- because you know, I'm a med patient. I got to grow something. I mean, some people buy. You know, seem to grow like one plant here, one plant there. The ones are five plants i'm not sure that would work with my methods yeah it might be possible i suppose i mean now when you have feminized seeds and all this stuff you know um yeah maybe that works but you know if i want to grow a little batch of something then i could trade someone over here for my buddy who says he's got some stuff that worked well for him as long as there's no money changing hands i think that's that should be allowable, personally.
0: Yeah, and actually, they they allow that for uh, just the gifting of cannabis in general right now, as it stands in Illinois. There's a little bit of mm. a caveat. It's got to be within your possession limit, and that's what yep. I was about to talk about. But before I segue to that, let's talk about the gifting laws because people, not a lot of people know about it. So you can gift cannabis in Illinois from one adult to another. That's one of the key caveats. It's got You got to be in order to gift it. You got to give it to somebody else that's 21 years of age or older. Um, also, it cannot exceed their possession limit. So, if they're an in-state person, thirty grams of flour, uh, five grams of concentrate, uh, five hundred milligrams of edibles. For out-of-state people, it's half of all of those. So, um,
1: I wonder that that apply to your med limits. It which would be greater.
0: Uh, now that's where it gets interesting. I do uh-huh. I do not believe that. <laughs> They do try, I do believe they make the distinction that you cannot gift your home cultivated cannabis, which is a yeah shame.
1: I just wanted to point that out because
0: yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: Nobody jumps to any conclusions there about that, so
0: absolutely because folks. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out because that's important, folks. do not give away your home cultivated cannabis or uh, any product you get at the dispensary medical patients because. You got that at a tax-free price that was allotted to you. And uh, I'm just saying, besides the fact that it's not morally right to gift away that product, it's it's not legally, it's not legal. You can't do that. So anyways, though, my point about, unless you had a thought on that.
1: No, no, no. Let's uh, just to cover
0: that point. <laughs> cool. Uh, my point about uh, possession limits, and you it, going back to your point about you know we can't be trusted, but the big companies can. I think it's just interesting they they ship these van vanfuls of product, thousand dollars worth of product, but we still have a possession limit because yeah. we you know God God forbid you have <laughs> over an ounce. You would have too much bottle. beer. Yeah. Oh exactly. no. Right, and that's and, the yeah yeah they,
1: we really need to not be satisfied as as citizens here with what we have now it's a system that is ripe for a lot of reform already, and no doubt it's gonna get worse if we let this thing go too long. So we need to stay on our politicians to get get them uh, thinking about this and where we need to go from here, because some of these things are far too restrictive, too punitive, just silly in light of where the community believes where we are at now. I mean, that's the thing.
0: Right. I always say the only thing that's stopping you from going to the liquor store and buying out the whole fucking place is the funds in your bank account. Yeah. And your uh, cargo space. If you can't yeah. fit it all in your vehicle, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you can still buy it. You just might have to sit it there and then come <laughs> back and get it. But, but the worst thing they're going to tell you, buds, is... Uh, they're gonna tell you to have a good time, right? If you get yeah. freaking like forty bottles of Everclear, which if you drink a shot of that, you can it send you an after anap- a while. <laughs> anaphylactic shock. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, funny. a lot of these limits are set because the cops want a nice defined limit about when they can crack down, and the cops, they are still, I think, a little over eager. I mean, you, you need to be careful, folks, out there in your vehicles and things like that. Lock Absolutely. That stuff up in the truck, things like that, because cops are just looking for the opportunity to bust your chops for an adult use possession violation. It uh, happens all the time in our community. And in fact, I can't remember, is it even worse than what it was before? It is. It is. That's what I was thinking. I, I recall that. It's a that, class though. A
0: misdemeanor now. Thank you for yep. bringing that up. Uh, it, yeah. Before adult use, it was just... Um, a two hundred fifty dollar fine. Um, if you were, you know, possessing if you possess cannabis because at the time it was decriminalized, but yes. now that it's legalized, if you are not complying with the transportation laws, um, which you know, um, folks, it's got to be out of reach. It can't be in the cabin of the vehicle, which presents complications for people that drive trucks. In my opinion, mm-hmm. um, it's I've be got. I've an- got a cooler
1: oh. in the back of my truck
0: there you go uh, odor proof child proof sealed container and that's what's interesting is that it's even got to be odor proof I always make the point that there's no such thing and if there were they like the canine would be useless right if yeah. there was a smell proof container if that existed well yeah. then canines would not be yeah. very effective at all um, I just uh but yeah, sorry, back to your point. Yeah, it's it's gotten worse, and so folks, definitely be careful and, and transport this. Because like you, the key thing that you pointed out is the reason all of these things still exist, the, the fact that odor-proof language is in the law, the fact that uh, uh, the possession limit is around, is so they can still, like you say, get you in trouble. It's intervene. a tripwire. Yeah. yeah. Boom, gotcha. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they love it. They love it. I I just just happen to also have another hobby listening to scanners, and I can tell you that things things have gotten interesting anyway since <laughs> things have changed. They still manage to have their fun, but you know, be careful. Uh, yeah, and you can avoid being their fun.
0: Right. Yeah, they'll get you still, folks. They're they're yeah. uh, trying to make examples. That's the the point is that they don't want to be. Uh, proven wrong because the whole time that cannabis was being lobbied for, they were lobbying against you know legalization and everything else with the slippery slope arguments that everything's going to fall yeah. apart and the children are going to be hooked on dope and um, <laughs> you know all these things. Despite so. the
1: fact that any kid who wanted it could get briefer then, you know, and now at least we have people carting people. You know, I mean,
0: that's <laughs> brilliant, brilliantly put because that's I've always said uh, and it's been my experience. You know, before I was a of age and a legal consumer, I, it was like really hard for me to get alcohol, but I never had a problem getting <laughs> cannabis because, and I always just said, I, yeah, I never got carded. If I ever tried to go get alcohol, I always got carded. I had to figure out somebody that had a card and it was always inconvenient for them. And so it just didn't mm. work out, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it should be treated the same. It should be treated the absolute, same as alcohol, even though we can make the argument that obviously it's, it's you know, not as intoxicating in some cases or whatever else, but I don't even well, think that argument's, you know. Go ahead.
1: Uh, Jesse White, the Secretary of State there for many, 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 many years. He started this tradition of sending out this thing giving you a safe driver award if you would had no moving violations or whatever. I think I got every one of those, if I recall right, before they discontinued that. do you uh, have them
0: hanging up on your wall, the awards?
1: Uh, I've got them around somewhere. It's just a little card that <laughs> would fit in your wallet. I guess you could show the cops that, well, this is my first violation. Jesse White sent me this. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the days before they had all the computers, I guess maybe that made a difference. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I drive safely. You should always drive safely and you shouldn't be ripped, but you know, um, they, they, they can uh, try to get you on various things. And, and, and the best thing to do is just avoid having an accident for everybody. And I think in general, yeah, people have uh, generally uh, done a pretty good job of that. And you look at the States that are legalized and there's really, there's not been this carnage on the highway that was predicted. Uh, If you go back, it it was either car and driver or road and track back about 19, it was the late 70s. They ran a a couple of articles where they basically compared people driving drunk, people driving stone. And then you never saw any more articles like that because their conclusion was you'd probably be a a lot better off if you're going to drive at all intoxicated (laughs) to do it stone. Not that they recommended that, as is not recommended in general, but you know you're being more cautious out there generally and uh be cautious all the time is a good is just a good policy
0: is my my philosophy <laughs> absolutely better safe than sorry right that's right absolutely um well so just uh, i guess to uh get back quickly to cultivation then we can uh wrap up and so we'll can have you back on another time to have a, a chat uh you know about sure. whatever Um, Especially if we get some questions from the listeners, I think it'd be cool to revisit this conversation, you know, if they had any questions about anything we talked about. Um, But uh, so, yeah, on that note, folks, if you have any questions, go to chillanoid.net slash contact. You can easily send us an email, shoot us a text message, voicemail. It's all there. Um, So, yeah, growing before it was legal, scary stuff, right?
1: Yeah, it's been kind of interesting because uh, people have been commenting to a certain extent on that. Well, you know, you got to be careful who you talk to about things and all that. And you know, it, it's a it's a case in risk management growing outdoors, and it yeah. still is. You know, if you're going to do that and you, you want to mitigate the risk, but your plants need sun, so. You know, there. I'll be showing some stuff here, some really outdoor gorilla growish sort of things, because the next situation I'm getting into worked pretty well for a few years until it went south for reasons <laughs> I'll get into a little bit when we get there. But uh, yep. it, it, it's a matter of, of making good choices in the way that the sun comes up and uh, where people can see your plants from. Uh, always anticipate the fact that others may be wandering around out there. Uh if you are just truly gorilla growing, if you are semi gorilla growing, which I think I mentioned here, here uh, is sort of the last batch of things, which didn't turn out too well because people got greedy, basically, as far as I can tell, you know, people um, may want to, you know, know about that and profit from it, I guess is the way it happened was uh-huh. that, you know, people were willing to share this and it, it worked pretty good when everybody's staying honest you know <laughs> but <laughs> if they're not then you're kind of taking risk for somebody else's benefit
0: yeah money and drugs are hard to keep people honest those are some things yeah that hard unfortunately, to trust people.
1: unfortunately that's i've had a lot of good luck i've had a little bit of bad luck but i've always worked with people that i thought i could trust mm-hmm. and not always proved to be the case in the long run but i, I think a lot of people f- think that the whole business was based on shifty people who you couldn't trust and really it's based on folks that you do trust because otherwise you couldn't do that sort of thing you'd be taking a lot of risk and that's why that's why i mentioned the risk management aspect of things you want to work with people you trust
0: yeah so how did the i mean folks can see in the pictures but can you describe how did the plants compare to what we're what you see grown nowadays (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, what I've been showing mostly so far is sativas. Yeah. And, I mean, you can see the height of those things. I mean, Man, 10, 12 foot high. My, yeah, big plants. And uh, the bud structure is kind of variable on them. I didn't have a really good phenotype, I guess is the technical word, straightened out. I mean, I was I was replanting the best seeds that I had available to me. And which was some pretty good stuff a lot of the time. But How'd you get you know, seeds
0: back in the day to, to yeah, everything
1: had know. seeds.
0: Oh, hey, everything like... had seeds. <laughs> the the only stuff that, came
1: with seeds. The only thing that didn't come with seeds was when I was growing it and I decided not to make seeds for some reason. But basically, uh, people don't know that everything had seeds back. Of course, a lot of times it was all squashed up and ugly and moldy because they've been putting some big hydraulic press down in Colombia or Mexico or something. and squashed down into a bale and uh so your seeds weren't always viable after however many months it took here it was an interesting discussion about what would upset you if you found out it was so many months old you know from the (laughs) from the dispo and it's like yeah good luck if it's this year's crop you're doing pretty good back in the old days you know right and uh so i i think people have very different expectations now i'd like to i'm not going to take a lot of credit for it but I mean, that was something that was one of the things I wanted, right? Because I started off smoking hash, so overseas. And uh, when I came back, I was not very impressed in 1975 (laughs) with what people had here to smoke, which was mostly Mexican. And I bought and sold Mexican a lot for about 10, 15 bucks an ounce. Yep. And it wasn't very good. Let's put it this way. Um, But... Then the colombian was just starting to come in and i talk about that a little bit in some of the post because i just happened to (laughs) know a little background there by by circumstance of both reading a book and running into a guy who kind of knew the folks involved years later and he kind of uh, filled me in on a few things but uh these people started bringing in lots of colombian and the guy turned into like the biggest marijuana smuggler a guy named steinberg from uh Donald Steinberg from uh, Franklin Park, I think it was. I mentioned it in there. I think it's Franklin Park. Him and his high school buddies. And they basically, <laughs> they had the government pretty flummoxed there for a while, but then things, that was back in the day when you had to carry big rolls of quarters around to run the pay phones. And that's how you kept in touch, was you go around to a pay phone, you'd wait for a call, and things like that. <laughs> it was it was kind of strange, unless you had one of those blue boxes, which could give you free pay, pay phone calls. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, there was a What's lot a of pay things. Phone? I'm joking. A payphone, yeah, yeah, that's something you put coins in. <laughs> you yeah. got coins still?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are coins? Bitcoins.
1: <laughs> but that's how you did it in the old days. I mean, you you had a payphone number, and uh, you kind of were expecting a call. Yeah. And uh, they they kept things pretty much on the download for a long time, but they were going up against the entire resources of the U.S. government. Eventually, they caught up with them, but they were flying four-engine prop. Uh, cargo planes into southern indiana unloading this stuff and, yeah. uh, and then it was destined for for the chicagoland and other urban markets i'm sure here in the midwest and uh yeah I, I didn't understand any of this when i first got to school but that was going on i was, I was down in southern indiana going to college <laughs> down there and uh, i kind of run into some of this stuff i eventually figured out uh years later what was going on but uh yeah it's uh it's interesting because it's it's a trade that's built by government policy <laughs>
0: really. yeah absolutely and, uh, absolutely and,
1: and, and i explained a little bit here and i'll explain a little bit more too about how um, basically because the government chose to ignore the recommendations of the 1972 marijuana uh, commission and uh, nixon instead wanted to crack down on that so he could use it against his political enemies of course we know what ended up Following Nixon because he overstretched his bounds a little bit, mm-hmm. but uh, what happened was that uh, um, they created a vast market here in the in the states that had distribution everywhere. Everybody wanted marijuana; it was very popular back then. I mean, even in the mid early seventies, you know, if you wanted marijuana, you could pretty much find it. And uh, the government tried to pretend that it wasn't there, and then they basically cracked down on bringing in marijuana, you know, these big boats and stuff and all that. That was easy enough for them. But then people thought, well, we can get cocaine and put that in planes and make even more money. (laughs) And guess what? That's just what happened. And, uh, you know, it was government policy that, you know, it was dumb decisions. It was this, this hubris that they thought they could somehow stamp out demand. Not that I'm saying, we want cocaine retails on every corner or anything like that. But you know, the reason why this is a difficult problem in our country is because they, they refuse to come to terms with cannabis, you know, at the time, if they had, it would have been a manageable problem. We probably wouldn't have gone through some of the, the hardest things with crack cocaine and some of this other stuff. Um, I know a little bit about the CIA crack cocaine connection back in the eighties. And there's, there's, there's rubber to that story let's put it this way it's got traction uh they they were just looking the other way and they were funding their their efforts in central america but via the trade and and, or people they work worked with were and they knew about it And but but that's that's how you get so much crack around folks you know it's not because of people or got poor morals or just greedy in the hood or anything like that it's government policy it really is
0: yeah and it's uh hard for people to see so thank you for kind of illuminating that and uh uh I was a witness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what I say at the beginning of the show that I felt like we've got a lot to learn from you. So um I that's why I really appreciate you coming on today to talk about some of the the experiences you've had um coming through uh all the way up until um what i call adult use regulation cuz everybody calls it legalization but i don't think yeah, it's it's not, legal. it's not legalized <laughs> it's just regulated you know so um what do you what do you think about that though i guess is just kind of a place to you know i feel like that's a good place for a good <laughs> conversation what do you is yeah. this the way you envisioned it back in back in the day like no
1: no I, I, in fact, I've had arguments online back when the guy was still on, like, Mark, what's his name? He was like one of the big administrators that helped set up the Washington state system. I'm trying to think of what his last name is. His first name's Mark, but he's like, uh, he was uh, with Rand Corporation and some other folks out of California who were, were trying to set all these up. And I basically had arguments back and forth with him about this then. And it's like, he was going on and on about, well, you know, we'll legalize it and then we are still going to be basically running the drug war. And I says, well, you're not going to have any peace if you don't end the war. You know, and boy, yeah. that just sort of, did, he didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's kind of obvious, you know, I mean, if you're going to yeah. continue the war, Are you really going to enjoy the benefits of peace? And that's sort of where we're at here with adult use legalization here. We need to decide whether we want to continue the war or whether we just want to come to terms with things. And I think everybody kind of agrees we're we're headed towards coming to terms with things. Let's not let this be forgotten. Let's stay on this as citizens. We really do need to make some improvements here. And there can easily be improvements here
0: it's a good way of putting it we are still very much at war like i mean i'm still like i'm still on the battlefield in the sense that they can still you know i can get a class a misdemeanor if i have it in a baggie in my front pocket even if not consuming it clearly like you know yeah um it's uh it's crazy stuff you know very crazy So yeah, well, um, what do you? What's the? I guess as we close out, what's the latest strain you've been smoking on? Anything good?
1: (laughs) Well, I've been uh, to the dispo today, and I picked up what is this stuff here? They finally got some oil, and I've been complaining about that because why do you have forty choices of various butters, extracts, all this stuff you're supposed to smoke or you generally do smoke? Yeah. And you got like one choice of oil. That's not taking care of med patients. That's just that's just sort of giving. This was there. There are some other ones there. My real complaint was the fact that they've switched to this half gram thing, which is just a waste. You know, a a waste of things. And uh, this is a um, lava cake. F S H O from Aries.
0: Oh, the full spectrum hash oil.
1: That's right, and uh, it's pretty good stuff. Um, I've done my usual daily dose i unfortunately skipped yesterday because i was feeling so poorly i didn't even feel like going to the dispo but i managed to get out today and get it and uh take it and that was about two hours ago and i usually run about 100 milligrams or maybe a little bit more
0: you feeling good
1: uh, yeah yeah i mean really i gotta have a little bit more to to, to get a good buzz on at this rate because the tolerance is is one of those it unfortunate things that uh, all the people that are all worried about cannabis is, I mean, because you don't have tolerance with alcohol. Yeah. You, I mean, you do to a certain extent, but you just end up dead, you know, eventually is what it is, is your tolerance gets close to the lethal limit <laughs> with quick, that.
0: Quick but comment. We don't have I, it. I got Pardon. a quick comment and then a question. Uh, uh-huh. So, uh, I forgot my comment. Damn it. Oh, oh, comment. Insult to injury on the half grams. Yes. Is that they price? It's not half price. It's actually no. price a little higher. So it's a way to to injury.
1: jack the prices up. That's right.
0: Yep. Uh, question: How do you uh, ingest your full spectrum hash oil?
1: I just get a uh, candy orange slice.
0: Nice. And just drizzle it on there.
1: Yeah, I shouldn't be eating them because I'm diabetic. But
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> this is my excuse to have one every day. Anyway. There you go. I just squirted on there. It, it takes about enough just to go across the ridge there, <laughs> and that's why yeah. I know I have enough.
0: Oh, cool, cool.
1: And I, I don't know. I've been hitting on a little bit of um, earlier. Sometimes I'll have something inhaled, like uh, some it's some GG4 crumble or something from from PTS. Nice. Yeah. Or is this the Great Hot 2? No, this is the Great Hot 2. Yeah. That's
0: what I had earlier. Is that some st- tasty stuff?
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it. And uh, the GG4 is good too, although man, I used to get good GG4 from Cresco, but like a lot of things there, that's kind of gone south. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, hey, uh, I guess my th- only thought on that, and I, sa- I say this for you, but also for the listeners, uh, look into uh, sunflower lectithin. Have you ever heard of? mixing that with concentrate and uh like coconut oil coconut butter
1: now this is some sort of sunflower extract
0: yeah so sunflower l-e-c-t-h-i
1: I -I 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 think yeah it's like something like
0: that lecithin or lessethin. you can get it at like a neutral i got it at like a i feel like it was like a g it was like a gmc type store you know there was a lot uh yeah yeah yeah
1: like
0: that um, but, yeah, you just mix in like a, like a half a teaspoon or whatever into your coconut butter and then, uh-huh. you know, uh, infuse your concentrate. And uh-huh. supposedly it increases the bioavailability of cool. your infusion. So, you know, if you're dealing with tolerance issues – if you're dealing with tolerance issues, this will temporarily solve that problem, but you're, then your tolerance is going to get higher, right? So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. You always got to pay the piper.
0: Yeah. So <laughs>
1: well, just... that's interesting. I, I may have to try that here because I got my uh, homegrown crop, which is just about uh, cured, and I'm going to be taking the lower parts of that and making some 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 sort of mash or something out of it to, Perfect. to, yeah. to substitute for the oils here to keep me out of the dispo a little bit more. But we'll see
0: hopefully that'll work well hey i really want to have you back on in the future folks sure. send in questions if you have any uh questions for a veteran an original grower an og um thank you for being a part of our community and for sharing everything that you do and uh because because it's saying some of the things that you say while it might seem obvious to you and just like a, a no-brainer for some people it's like uh, it's not that clear, and they yeah. don't have the history. They have not seen the things you've seen. So thank you for for being active in the community and speaking up and having those arguments with people. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's what keeps driving things forward.
1: I, I try to keep it polite. And uh, try to be a good example as far as yeah. that goes. I because... say that
0: fu- I say that in a funny way. I know you're a c- yeah. you get you have very civil ar- civil arguments, civil debates, whatever you want to yeah. say. Yeah. But keep doing that because that's what keeps pushing the needle forward.
1: You know? Yeah. Well, I used to do a lot of web editing myself, so I know how that is. You want to give everybody a good a good say, but you know, people need to be polite to have a good discussion.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Be nice to each other, folks. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, Illinois. thank you for listening. We'll, have, we'll definitely have Buds back on in the future. Uh, join our subreddit. I, if I haven't said it enough, it's a great fun place with 14,000 other uh, cannabis users, uh, most of them local to the state of Illinois, you know, so you can meet some friends, especially as the state starts to open up.
1: Woo-hoo. That's right.
0: So, uh, yeah, folks, I uh, hope you found uh, some value in today's episode, and we'll see you next time.
1: Bye.